1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Connecting to the big show.
0: In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people. They're, all, they're all absolutely astonished yeah. at What is the matter
3: with these people?
2: We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can
0: we just talk? Call 818 96 96 96. Extra
2: WhatsApp 083-396-9696. 96 96.
0: Email opinion at 96FM.ie.
2: The lines are live. Let's
0: kickstart the conversation.
2: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
0: on Cork's 96FM.
4: All those trains out of Cork booked solid until lunchtime today. And I don't think there's a seat left on the buses either. Uh, That's just going by what I'm hearing. My daughter will tell you, if she were here to tell you, that's because everyone's going to see Harry Styles. Harry is in the (coughs) Viva tonight. Uh, it's a sellout gig, and she's weak, absolutely weak. She found out in February she's going, and she's weak. And herself and her two or three mates are going up there tonight. And she'd tell you if she was here to tell you that it's because of Harry Styles. The trains are all full heading up at lunchtime; they're jammed anyway. 0818 Good morning. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. 96 96 96. The email is opinion at 96 of M.ie. There's a certain sense, a certain sense of I told you so about two of the big stories in the news this morning. First of all is that damning report from the Children's Ombudsman that the country is failing children with special needs on a grand scale. Get to that in a while. But the other one is in all of your newspapers this morning. It's in the Examiner, it's in the Independent, it's in all of them. Uh, Ireland is now the most expensive in the EU for everyday costs, according to the Examiner team. The Independent, Charlie Weston, has a piece uh, explaining to us, or at least trying to explain, not excuse, explain, just why prices are so high. And the Irish Daily Mail uh, catches it, I think, on its front page. And these are the kind of things that people like me used to get given out for saying a year or two ago and we did, always getting you're you're playing the place down you're knocking the place, you shouldn't be knocking the place gouged left, right and centre says the front page of the Irish Daily Mail Christian McCashin. good morning we've been saying it for a while people have been saying stop, stop, stop you're talking down the country but the truth is sour, isn't it? good morning
3: good morning PJ, how are you?
4: very well sir it's, good, it, it's, a, it's a bitter truth.
3: It is, it is. Now, there is a caveat to this. We are the most expensive after Denmark in the EU. But the problem we have is that we're an island in the corner of the EU. So everything that we consume, apart from what we produce ourselves, which, you know, the best dairy, the best beef, some of the best grain in, in the world, everything else has to be delivered here. Mm. And that costs, and at the moment, fuel costs are driving that and pushing everything up. But the caveat to that is we produce the best food, some of the best food in the world, which Board Beer and others keep telling us. And it's true. And we, we won't put up with with bland rubbish. We want the best, and this is the price we're paying for it.
4: Yeah. You have a panel on page six this morning, um, where you talk about the comparison in housing, the comparison in furniture, the comparison in transport, communications, and things like wine, bread, and lager. We're above the EU average. Like Take housing, the average house price across the EU, 177,500 average house price in Ireland 304 334,700 you cannot explain all that away with the price of fuel though
3: no you can't you can't on housing irish people want to own their own house we have one of the highest levels of home ownership compared to many european countries and we have a housing shortage it's well documented that there just aren't enough houses here, and supply and demand pushes prices up. That's the awful truth of it. But everybody wants to own their own house. It's, it's, I don't see sure it's a peculiar Irish thing, but it's a, a, a big Irish thing, that owning your own property, owning your own home is important. Yes. Whereas in other, some parts of Europe, they will rent for life. Yes. They don't want to
4: own their own home. Well, they're in a position to do it because the rents are so much lower, and you can sign something like a 20-year rent contract.
3: Yeah, so I was going to say, uh, if you know you're secure in that rental property for a long period, like 10, 20 years, what's the problem? You're happy. But we don't do that kind of rental agreements in this country, and people always feel a little insecure in a rental home. Mm. They want to know that that home is theirs, or at least the mortgage is theirs on it. Mm. And also, the thing is, when you own your home, when you when you die, um, you pass it on to your, your children. Yeah, so you leave them a legacy.
4: Yeah, the price of cars is another one, Christian. Uh, you you base it on the price of a VW Golf, um, which across mm. the EU generally around a very popular car, generally around twenty six thousand across the EU. In Ireland, it's a minimum of thirty thousand. That, of course, is VRT.
3: The VRT, and the transport of getting it here again. Now, VRT is brought in to. But a government as – to try and bend the EU rules, you're not allowed to tax goods unnecessarily. Yeah. It's not a VAT on it. But that was brought in as a tax-raising measure or an income-raising measure, and it's still there. Mm. And, we, and we have no choice but to pay it. We even pay it on the imports of cars.
4: Yeah. Yeah, You look at staples, bread, I mean the price of a loaf of bread uh, uh, brown bread, healthy brown bread, not sort of mass produced white bread which you can get anything from 70 or 80 cents to a couple of euro but take a a healthy 500 gram loaf of brown bread across the EU 2 euros and 5, in Ireland 2 euros and 40 now we make bread here, so again that can't be explained away by transport
3: No we, we reduce the grain, but then it comes down to the cost of the baking as well. I mean, I'm not excusing these prices. Yeah. I'm explaining here. Oh, yes. But the gas cost in baking is, is extortionate. And this all comes down to energy again. It's energy, energy, energy. You have to use energy to yeah. move things. And that's where we're being stung. Yeah. It's what is, you know, demand. We want, as I said earlier, we want the best of everything. And we, we're we paying for it, yeah. as that, we can that, see
4: here. That is a positive, though. We do. We we, we we want the best of everything. We want the best of food. We want the best of, of housing for ourselves. We want the best of standards for our children. There's a cost on that, I guess. There is, but
3: we seem to be willing to pay it. Pay it. I mean, there are protests about prices uh, as we've seen recently but they're not violent they're not out of control but people know if they want the best they're going to pay it and they do and as i said the other thing is we know that we have to import most things here what we produce is the best and we export an awful lot of stuff but we as well as the best grain and best beef and best chicken we also produce other things that you can't beat anywhere else Fish. as one guy as one guy is walking talking to he talks he's a, an economist one of the major banks he was talking to a colleague around different colleagues around the world and he was talking to one in america who who'd been over here and he said i was over there and i tasted your chicken and you know what when you taste the chicken you could taste chicken it 's not bland rubbish you know we want the best and we get it and that's why we're paying such high prices also the costs in, in involved in that of transport and everything as well as, but as well as these high costs inflation now is around eight percent it's pushing them even higher
4: mm. now you can, and, and as you say, you're not excusing it, you're, you're explaining it and one would yep. argue, Christian, that while you're at your your explanation is perfectly logical, there are times where it only goes so far and people are getting angry and the government has insisted nothing until the budget. Uh, the, politically, this isn't good, these, these comparisons.
3: No, it, it's not looking good for the government and we, we can see in the polls that they're under pressure, but I wouldn't want to be in government at the moment. I wouldn't know what to do. I really wouldn't. I I, I, I don't have sympathy for them, but I can understand they're in a tough position.
4: You're also reporting this morning, as are many other papers, and it's in the headline news as well, these comments by Moirad McGuinness, the European commissioner, about fuel rationing. I was only a small boy the last time we had to ration fuel in this country, but I remember my dad, Lord rest him, queuing, Sitting in a queue for two hours outside a petrol station to get to to get some petrol. Could we be headed back to that? Maureen McGuinness seems to think we could be.
3: Well, who knows what the future will bring? We could, God forbid, we will. But I mean, the move now towards electric cars will mean we we wouldn't have to as much. But still, the vast majority of our of the cars on our roads are of petrol and diesel driven, but. I don't know whether, where we're going with that. It's, uh, it's a scary thought that we would have to go back to the sort of cues that the garages, I can remember them myself, they were horrendous. Mm. And we saw so recently they had trouble in Britain with uh, fuel shortages and yeah. they, they ended up fighting at the, at the pumps.
4: Yes. And I remember also at the time you could only get a fight. Now, a fiver was a lot different back then, but you could only get a fiver's worth. <clears throat> now, if they put, imagine if they put a limit of, say, 20 euro on what you could put in the average family car. Like for my little car, putting into town of in a morning, that's fine. But for some fella trying to do it, run a business, that's not going to work.
3: No, I was talking to a transport hoarder recently, and she was complaining about the price of diesel at the moment, and her bills have gone up by thousands and yeah. thousands. I it's mean, we're, you're talking about 20 euro in a car, and to yeah. her, it's a massive multiples of that with the price of fuel at the moment. Yeah. And right. that, that feeds then through to the products we all buy.
4: Dark times ahead. And like you said, Christian, none of us, I think, would like to be in the government, sitting around the government table, trying to sort this lot out. Christian McCashin from the Irish Daily Mail, thank you very much. Just going through, as a very good explainer, page six of the mail today. They talk about the housing. We went through that with Christian. The cost of buying something for your house, even buying a simple thing that a lot of people buy in the summertime now, like decking boards. You know, if you have a broken, dodgy decking board out the back my advice is get another summer out of it or do a repair on it because they're gone up colossally in price. Um, Price of furniture, uh, a three-piece suite, a leather sofa, a genuine leather-covered sofa. Uh, That's not too bad, actually. It's 2,800 in Ireland, 2,600 and something across Europe. I suppose transport would make up the rest of it. Communications, internet and phone per month, on average in Ireland, 60 the rest of Europe, forty-one. Wine. Uh, the average bottle of Sauvignon Blanc, uh, seventy cl bottle. Of course, we have minimum pricing as well to blame for this. Eighteen ninety-five in Ireland, nine twenty-five in the EU. Now, I question that because nine twenty-five uh, in the EU—that's a very high-priced bottle of wine. That's an expensive bottle of wine in Spain. That's an expensive bottle of wine in France. You'll pick up a bottle of decent wine, go down to your off-licence here and and look at any bottle of wine on the shelf and you'll get it or its equivalent for half the price on your holidays in Spain. Kevin wants to know, what about Irish wages in comparison? Sector-specific ones, childcare, healthcare. It's it's hard to look at things in isolation uh, until you compare wages in the countries we're being compared with. And that is true. Kevin. Wages in Spain, wages in France, they're less than they are here. Um, But then again we we have a high cost of living so you have to pay people more it's all cyclic. Kate says we had the Covid excuse for the hiking of prices now inflation. It'll be something else in a few months. There's always some excuse for hiking up the prices and for making a fool of us Jimmy says the country is in a dilemma with fuel at the moment we have one of the biggest oil and gas reserves off our coast the Greens have put a stop to us tapping into that. For God's sake, we need it now. It's our rice, it's our gas and our oil, and we need it. The Barry Roll field is the biggest in Europe. Why don't we tap into it, especially with current circumstances? And on the phone, someone says, I don't see how our government has a choice. We've Brexit, soaring oil prices, and a country that's watched for its debt load. We just have to suck up what's going on, sadly. Mercifully, we've always been a country that looks after others and there's been a lot of discreet help going on, which is a very valid point. Uh, I wanted to go through, there was an article that um, the, old, uh, the Irish Independent had this morning, and they go through it in some detail. I'll come back to that one later on. But just on the same morning that this is all over your newspapers, we have top civil servants those people earning more than 150k in general about 4000 of them judges hospital consultants many many senior public officials they're to get pay rises from monday from friday july 1st of between 10 and 15% uh, salaries below 150000 won't be affected but this is something that they agreed to In 2017, a thing called FEMPI, which was financial emergency measures in the public interest, legislation that cut a lot of people's pay in the public sector. A lot of other grades have had that restored, but not these grades. So they're now getting their money back next Friday, the 1st of July. So it was agreed to and signed off on in 2017. And the government's argument is, well, if we have to try and fight this, and I think Michael McGraw, I didn't hear him interview, but I heard him quoted this morning that they'd taken legal advice on this to see could we put it back for six months or put it back for a year or just not do it. And the legal advice was that I would tie you up in an awful lot of knots and better off to suck it up and, and give them the money, which will cost $30 million between now and the end of the year. Oh eight one eight ninety six
0: ninety six ninety six.
4: Wayne Hilton
0: Wayne Hilton The Weekend On Quark's 96FM 96.
4: Join me Saturday mornings from
3: 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at
0: the Wayne teaser question. There's the latest celebrity gossip. A look at what's
3: happening around town. And we'll keep
0: you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With CarMax Used Car Supermarket. Dublin Road for Moy. Great deals on hundreds of cars. Just a short drive from the tunnel. Visit C A R M A X carmax.ie. On
4: Cork's. 96 FM. Yeah, I can bet your comments on uh, cost of living because they're coming in. And if you want to send me one by way of voicemail, please do feel free to do so. Uh, 083 396 96, 96 Pop it into WhatsApp and send it to us by way of voicemail on the cost of living. Christian McCashin from the Irish Daily Mail saying, Look, it is very stark, but there are certain ways to explain it, not excuse it. But even outside the ways you use to explain some prices, some of it is just utterly inexcusable. I'll come back to it. Uh, Your thoughts, uh, particularly on voice message, if you want to send them to 083 396 96 96. Whoever sent the comment in about the north of Ireland, you're absolutely right, and I'll read that out in a little while. But I said at the top of the programme, there were two stories this morning where one is inclined to say, I'm only stating the bleeding obvious And the second one is, uh, I'm reading from the examiner here, the state is failing children with special educational needs. Failing. It uses that word, failing children with special educational needs. This is a report published today by the Office of the Children's Ombudsman. The Ombudsman is a man called Dr. Niall Muldoon. He's been a guest on the programme in previous times. But he produced the report today. And it says 4,000 children are currently awaiting a diagnostic assessment to get a school place. 4,000 children. The number of children, and we've talked to their parents, the number of children who have to travel outside of their locality to get a proper school, specialist provision in a school. How many children would you think have to travel beyond their local school, have to pass the gates of their local school? and sometimes watch their brother and sister get out of the car and go into the local school. How many children have to do that every day? Would you think? Have a think of that when I come back to you. Uh, There's nearly 1,500 students currently getting home tuition because of a lack of placements. And there's about 270 children with autism. Now, here's another one. Up and down the country, children with autism, who do not have a school place this coming September. Now, this is the 22nd of June, and they don't have a school place for September. Niall Muldoon said that children, certain children who live in provision black spots, most notably Dublin and Cork, Cork now acknowledged in this report as a black spot. The system can fail in its response. And he says the failings are not acceptable. He said, these are strong words. Bearing in mind the the ombudsman is a state employee. Dr Muldoon says the situation is a clear failure on part of the state which has an obligation to respect, protect and fulfil the right of education of every child. So that's a very strong report. I'll come back to that number. Remind me if I forget. The number who have to travel every day. Who have to go past their local school. And like I said, sometimes watch their brother or their sister get out of that car and go into that school with their sack on their back, happy out, on a beautiful morning like this morning. Well, schools are off now, which no one can get that. How many children have to go to the next parish, the next village, the next town, the next county? i tell you in a while, it's, it's, for me, it's the most shocking number in the whole report, uh, and and I'll bring it to you in a while. But Katie Gould, we've had Katie on the show before about provision of places in Ballin College. Katie, good morning. None of this this surprises me. Does it surprise you?
5: Good morning, PJ. Um, No, it doesn't surprise me at all because this is basically what I've been campaigning for and about for the last year. Um, And I'm so happy to see this report because... It Says the report was sparked by complaints from parents whose children would not be able to secure a place close to their home in a timely manner. Um, and I think probably my complaint was maybe one of those because that's exactly what I wrote to him about, yeah. Um, last autumn. So I'm really not surprised at all and very pleased to see that there something is kind of coming from that. I guess we just need now that the government responds to it and um mm. puts in into place um, what's needed, you know, which, which, as the report's saying, they are failing to do.
4: Remind us again of your own situation for people who might have forgotten it, Katie.
5: Of course, yeah. So my son, um, Charlie, is in Grail Scully Road on in Ballin College. He's in sixth class. And we were one of those um, people who didn't have a school place. So last autumn, I applied to 21 schools, I think. Um, looking for a place in an autism class in a mainstream school because that's what Charlie needs. Um, He wouldn't um, really be able to cope very well without that support of the autistic class. He. He was in school with that one for a number of years and it was just very traumatic despite the school being so amazing, so supportive, bending over backwards yeah. to help. Um, but as soon as he had a place in an autism class, it radically changed for him. Yeah. Um, and so we really knew that's what he he needed to get and we couldn't get a place. So we started campaigning to try and get classes opening in Balancholic, which is where we live, um, because there were no autism classes at all in the secondary schools in Balancholic. So we have um, now got three secondary schools, two very large secondary schools. Neither of them have any autism classes. Um, and a new secondary school that opened last year that had wanted to open an autism class, but because of... <laughs> I won't even start going into the why. Planning, wasn't it?
4: Some nonsense about planning.
5: Yeah, issues with planning and um, Department of Education and planning and everything like that going wrong. They didn't have space for a class, but thankfully... um, we were campaigning for the last year and we then got news in April yeah. that the would be opening an autism class and also that Charlie did get a place That's left, fantastic. Which, I, mean, I think we talked the then, you and me.
4: That was fantastic
5: We did, news, yeah. yeah. And it was wonderful news, but it is only wonderful news for us and five other kids um, because there's six places in an autism class. So there'll be many more children who didn't get a place, who needed one, who are now going to either, like you said from that report, either not have a suitable school place, be kind of trying to cope in mainstream or be having to travel long distances to um, access an appropriate place or be getting home tuition and not be able to take part in school life at all.
4: Well, that, that, Um, that number, the number who were getting home tuition due to a lack of placement, that's not far short of 1,500 at the moment, yeah. but I've been holding back on this number, Katie, people who would have been you know kids who would have been it would have been like Charlie if you hadn't managed to get this sorted, okay uh, these are yeah. children passing their local school, maybe passing two local schools and going into the next parish or across the county, maybe ten fifteen twenty miles in your case, I think. The nearest school you had before Lekele got sorted was what, nearly nearly twenty miles away, wasn't it? Other side of town. Well, we completely. didn't
5: have another place. We weren't any- offered a place anywhere else. Yeah. But one of the schools that people are travelling regularly to from Ballincollig is in Macroom. That's right. And that involves, um, you know, it, it is a shorter journey if you get in the car and go. But a lot of children will be going on school transport. That's right. Um, and that can take an hour. Do
4: you, do you, would you care to guess how many children are presently in that position?
5: Well, case. I'm looking at the figure here, yeah. so that would be an unfair guess. <laughs>
4: okay, well, well, we'll tell people who haven't read it yet. And this, is the, this is the number that jumped off the page to me. Yeah. Fifteen and a half thousand children in that position. It's very really right
5: striking, now. isn't
4: it? That's disgraceful. That's yeah. not striking. That's
6: disgraceful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. and that's what
5: people were. Um, do you know when I I phoned the NCSE and all the people you're supposed to contact to say, I don't have a place for my son, and I was just told, well, apply to everywhere within an hour's journey, um, as if that was a reasonable thing for us to do. A to apply to many many schools, and B for him to have to travel an hour there and back every day. Yeah. And when you think that the point of an autism class. It's to help the child cope, to reduce the stress and trauma that school involves. It can't possibly do that if you have to add a stressful journey on, oh. but onto your day, either end of it. like it, The point of the class is, is completely nullified yeah. if you're asking children to make that kind of journey. Like I was talking to a parent in Clonakilty
4: like last week or the week before now. And she's faced, her little girl is faced with a trip to Rotristown every day. Oh goodness, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Now you've yeah. got an event tomorrow. You're gathering outside Easton's in the shopping center of Balancoly tomorrow, and you wanted to mention that.
5: Yeah. So we had a postcard campaign before Christmas when we were trying to get um class for Lakela Secondary School. Um, but as I said, we're just painfully aware that although we have got that class, Balancolic is still really, really falling short yeah. um, in its provision for autism classes. And so we're continuing the campaign um, and trying to highlight, um, you know, as the report said, Cork and Dublin are both black spots in their lack of provision, but Ballincollig is particularly a black spot even within Cork. So just to give you an idea of that, um the national ratio of autism class places to mainstream class places at primary level is 1 to 80 now we know from the report that's not even enough yeah. but that's the the a level of provision nationally in ballencarla currently the number of autism class places to mainstream places is 1 to 185 so nationally it's 1 to 80 ballencarla gets 1 to 185 so wow really falling short. In secondary school, currently there's nothing, but in September, um, we will have one class. And so nationally, the provision at secondary level is one to 135 places. So for every one autism class place, there's 135 mainstream class places. In Balancholic it's 1 to 390, or it will be in September. So it'll be nearly three times harder to get a place in an autism class in Balancholic compared to the national average, um, which is is really not okay. And especially when we think about the, um, what is it, Project Ireland 2040 highlights yes. Cork as the targeted engine yes. of growth. So yes. they are targeting Cork to expand and grow. You know, increasing housing um, and just the general growth yeah. of the area. And,
4: and, and yet, the provision of these special education places is getting worse rather than getting better. Katie, thank you. Katie Gould from Ballincollig. They'll be outside Easton's at Castle West in uh, tomorrow, Thursday, 23rd June, from three o'clock. Yeah, that figure, that is 15,500 children have to travel every day outside their locality to attend the kind of schooling they need. 15,500 children. That is 15,500 individual failures every single day. All I would say to Dr. Muldoon is thank you for this report. Uh, where it goes from here, who knows?
2: When we're adoring Adele, are you thinking it's not easy on me?
4: And
0: has our love of Justin Bieber got you not wanting to stay?
2: What I the music you want to hear
0: and what songs should disappear with the corks 96 fm music panel
2: take our 10 minute music survey
0: and you could win a 100 euro penny charger
2: give it a go right now find the link on instagram facebook and twitter what I want. or see 96 fm.ie corks
4: 96 fm continuing to take in your comments on Uh, The problems of the cost of living, cost of fuel, cost of everything, as is all over our newspapers this morning, plus that damning report from the Children's Ombudsman and that outrageous number of children having to travel every day to go to school, and like I said, watch their little brother or little sister go into the local school, but they have to go right past it. I'll come back to those figures, uh, and uh, you can contact us in all the usual ways. Voice message in particular, 083 396 96 96. What is problem gambling? We've discussed it many times before on the programme, and members of Gamblers Anonymous have, have told us their story and the raw honesty of what they've told us would always shock and it is probably and if, talking to our, our great friend Michael Gearn about this from time to time it is probably the addiction that is most damaging because there were no outward signs that somebody is struggling with gambling there are no hangovers There's, you don't start to look very sick all that carry on none of that happens with gambling while you can be destroying yourself your job your wages, your home, quietly. Gambling Awareness Trust has been set up and is in existence for a while now. And I wanted to talk to their CEO for a while this morning. Good morning to Pam Bergen. Pam, good morning to you.
7: Good morning, Peter. How are you?
4: Welcome to the Opinion Line. Tell me about gamblingcare.ie first.
7: Well, gamblingcare.ie is our website. And if you log on there, there is a huge amount of information available to anybody who's looking for supports Uh, around problem gambling now this can be an individual that's experiencing difficulty with their gambling or uh, a family member or a friend or a loved one who's concerned about somebody's gambling activity so all of the information that you need is on there um you know about how to have a conversation with somebody um the nearest um supports in your region they're all listed there by county Mm.
4: I described it in my introduction there as probably the most insidious of all the addictions in that until you're in serious trouble, it's practically invisible.
7: Yeah, that's the problem. And often, um, you know, the signs go totally unnoticed for a long time. People gambling compulsively can be very secretive. Um, You know, family members may not notice for a long time that there's an issue. Um, They do report maybe changes in moods, people becoming more irritable, preoccupied, um, you know, losing interest in other areas of life. But when people get into a cycle of gambling more than they can afford, that's when, you know, the signs appear and that's when it becomes more noticeable. They may start to borrow money, uh, bills may go unpaid, debts build up. And this is where the problem impacts on families and wider society.
4: Now, Gamblers Anonymous perform an incredible service in their own right. So, what's the difference? I, I'm sure there are vast differences between yourselves and, say, Gamblers Anonymous.
7: Um, yeah, Gamblers Anonymous are an excellent service. Um, you know, peer support is, is is a huge part of recovery and um, meeting people and being able to share your stories and uh, with people who have experienced similar. Um, so, it's it's an excellent service out there for anybody. That's struggling. Um, The National Problem Gambling Support Service that we launched a few weeks back is a collaboration with the National Forum of Family Resource Centres. And this will see 20 family resource centres across the country provide a confidential, affordable counselling service for those affected by problem gambling and their families.
4: Right. So, and it's all accessible through the website, correct?
7: It's all accessible through the website, yeah. If you log on uh, gamblingcare.ie, All of the services are listed by county. So you can just click in, say, for example, in Cork, Carrick-Tuchel Family Resource Centre are providing the service there. Mm -hmm. And all the contact information is there. You just make a call or send an email um, and you'll be sorted with an appointment to see the the, um, dedicated counsellor there.
4: And then there's a wealth of information I must compliment you on the website. There's a wealth of information there, like a, a list of questions like, are you worried about your gambling? And, and that kind of thing confidentiality is everything to someone who 's struggling in a place like this
7: and, and absolutely, it, yeah, you know. and there is a stigma you know and and we we 're very kind of cognizant of that and that's why we think family resource centres are just such an excellent resource because you can be going into a family resource centre for anything. You know, you could be going in for information, to do a class, um, you know, uh, for childcare, <clears throat> for any kind of a service. So <clears throat> there is a level of anonymity there that will, we hope will encourage people to engage with the service.
4: Okay. So people want to find out more, or indeed find mm-hmm. out more for or about a family member. They just go to your website and it's quite easy to to navigate. And how is it funded?
7: We're funded um, by donations to a social responsibility fund through the Irish Bookmakers Association. So it's it's a social responsibility fund. It's a voluntary contribution from the online betting and retail operators in Ireland.
4: I see. So every time someone does an online bet... Uh, and, and, you know, an awful lot of betting is harmless fun. And we should probably make that point, just like a lot of drinking and that kind of are harmless fun. A lot of gambling is harmless
7: well, fun. Yeah, but, but, I but mean,
4: every time you gamble, you make a donation to people for whom it has ceased to be harmless fun. Um,
7: well, not uh, not necessarily like that. Um, not all operators contribute to the fund I currently. See, I see. You know, there are a huge number and, um, you know, uh, it's excellent that they do. Um, so that that funding is available to us and uh, we use that funding then to provide uh, services in the area of research, education, awareness, treatment, rehabilitation and um, ancillary supports for anybody out there that um, is struggling with problem gambling.
4: Excellent. All right. So Gambling Aware, gamblingcare.ie is the website to start your search for some help. Thank you very much, Pam Bergen. She's CEO of Gambling Awareness Trust, thanks for being with me on The Opinion. And I see on the board of directors is none other than Kathleen Lynch, our former uh, junior minister here from Cork. Uh, she sits on the board of gamblingcare.ie. 0818 96 on the cost of living. And this is an interesting one. And I said I'd come back to it. I promised that I would uh, on the comparisons A four-bedroom house in the north of Ireland, where there's also a shortage, Uh, to rent that, £550 a month, which is less than half the price to rent south of the border. Shopping is 30 to 40% cheaper on the same island, just different government and different taxes. Food quality, especially in takeaways, uh, is cheaper and uh, fresh-made. There comes some comparisons with fillet of cod and all of that. Sky TV package, uh, a full package, 50 pounds in Ireland, 125 euro. It's not that we don't know why it's more expensive. We do taxes and we pay tax. We've higher earnings, but pay more taxes with the USC. And so the cash in our pockets is the same, if not less, but a higher cost of living. On the point of the north, and having been on my holidays there twice... In 2020 and 2021, I would endorse everything that that person said about the cost of living. You will get more value for your euro or your pound north of the border by far, by far more more value. Not cheap now compared to, say, Spain or somewhere like that, but far, far better value for your pound, uh, your spending money. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The National Women's Council has called for a constitutional referendum in twenty twenty three. Uh, their director Orla O'Connor joins me. What do you want the referendum to be about, Orla? Good morning.
8: Good morning, PJ. Um, so, what this referendum is one that the government has had on its list for a long time now and that's the article in the constitution it's called 41.2 and it refers to a woman's place being in the home oh yes um yeah so so this has been on the agenda for a long time and that the language around it in terms of a woman's place being in the home is very much seen as sexist and outdated and what the national women's council is calling for is that yes we want to see that language removed but we also think we should use the opportunity to to include in our constitution a value of care. So to recognise the importance of care, the value of care for all of us in society and to to, to include that within within that article. So mm. we want all the sort of, you know, the references to women in the home taken out, but, but to, as I said, use the opportunity to recognise care. And mm. I think... You know, for people, um, um, we know this. I mean, in a num- from a number of different places. That, but certainly, coming out of the pandemic, I think there really is a realisation how important care is for us all, both yeah. in terms of giving and receiving care. And now we've just had, um, through the pandemic, we also had a citizens' assembly, and the citizens have recommended very clearly to government that care should be included in our constitution. Mm. And it's more, so that, it's more than just the words.
4: It's more than just the words. It is. It,
8: You're right. Absolutely. I mean, it is about a a principle. Our constitution is meant to put the principles and values of our society there. And then things flow from that, like policy and legislation. Mm. Um, So that's why we believe it's really important that care is recognised. And then it gets us into the space and and the citizens made a whole load of recommendations, really important and significant recommendations to government on things like carers, on childcare, on the need for... um, for disabled people to, to be able to um, independently choose the type of care and support they want. So there was a series of recommendations. And so that's what we would like. I mean, we would like a, a national conversation that will will flow from a referendum yeah. about how we value care in in our society. Yeah. Yeah. Because for so long it has gone on. You know, it's underpaid, yeah. undervalued. But a
4: lot of it is not, not not alone just underpaid, but just not paid, not full paid. stop. Exactly. And and like <laughs> yeah, you know the labor the labor market is tightening. There's jobs mm. out there. We could have a huge crisis if we don't deal with this in some way.
8: Absolutely. And I mean the whole care issue is so gendered because the the people who are providing care, whether it's in the paid workforce as in childcare workers or care workers in terms of nursing homes, it's 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 predominantly a female workforce. And also, in, and when you mentioned like the unpaid piece, we know as well that the vast majority of care work that's provided in our homes and for our families um, and for for, um, for children who need care and for disabled children is provided by women. So it's, it's very gendered and at the moment, we have a real crisis in terms yeah. of the costs. And that's costs in terms of you know very high costs in relation to childcare, yeah. and also costs in in f- for older people's care and and for uh, disabled people's care. Yeah. So, so there are you know there are many issues that need to be addressed. Now there are urgent ones we believe that actually need to be addressed in this budget, um and particularly in terms of the costs in relation to childcare. Yeah. Um. But but it but it links into a wider, I suppose, a wider issue of how we value yeah. the issue of care. I guess. <laughs>
4: One would argue this, or could argue at least, the state can't afford to take on everything. So you'd need to look into the workplace Mm. and make provisions there too for things like maternity leave, maternity care, breastfeeding, the whole thing
8: yeah you're 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 absolutely right and again actually in the citizens assembly that they made sort of parallel recommendations of how you support people to be at home things like maternity leave fathers leave parents leave and also wider supports for carers as well in terms of things like respite to be able to support people who are in that uh, caring position um so yeah it's it's I suppose it's a whole combination of pieces that need to happen um, mm. and, and we're starting from a low base.
4: Yeah, also when people's time of caring has come to an end for whatever reason, maybe the person gets better or sadly in some mm. cases the person passes away, they then mm. have to get back into the labour force, they find themselves at, at a disadvantage. Could we address that?
8: Yeah, I mean, you're right, at an enormous disadvantage in terms of skills being out of the workforce for so long, and also at a real disadvantage. And, you know, we're very conscious of this in the Women's Council because so many older women contact us about it. Also, then, not having pension entitlement. Um, so that you know that's a real issue, and and yes, the government is looking to address that in terms of um, you know how how do people who have been out of the workforce for a long time caring how how do we ensure that they have full access to pensions, and it's why the National Women's Council were also. Um, calling for a universal pension. So pension entitlements, it's really important. But but also labour market supports in terms of how you support someone back in who has been caring for a long time.
4: Do you think there's a prospect of getting this referendum in 2023? We have many other things I, on the table, Orla, you'd have to admit.
8: Oh Yeah, absolutely. I mean, out of the Citizens' Assembly, there's now an Iraq This Committee, the Iraq This is a Committee, um, is being chaired by uh, Dep- Deputy Ivana Bacic, and uh, at our AGM she said that the Iraqis Committee would report to government before the end of the year and it is at that point that we are expecting the government then to make a decision about will there be a referendum. It is also you know, included in the program for government so we know that there is a broad commitment to having it. It's, I think the issue is it's a matter of when will it happen and what will the wording what be have- and coming up with wording that we can all agree with
4: yeah Yeah. the the wording the wording will be complex that alone will take probably months so it's one we'll watch with interest and we may talk again Orla O'Connor Director of the National Women's Council of Ireland thank you very much I remember that coming up at the uh, Citizens Assembly a few years ago the removal of this provision in the constitution for the woman's place to be in the home and and not just changing the words of it because um, that in itself is problematic, I guess, in a modern constitutional document. but taking it out at the time they were saying, taking it out would change certain protections of the family and certain status of the family within constitution. So it'll be a long, complicated uh, effort to get a wording, but hoping to see that referendum in twenty twenty three that's the national women's council oh eight one eight ninety six. 96.96. 96. Maxall Station Monday. Doesn't say where this is. Maxall Station Diesel 208.9 or 209 really. At 209 Tuesday morning 2.12.9 or 2.13 Tuesday evening 2.16.9 217 says Jim. The reason I'm rounding those up, I talked to Bob Flavin yesterday a pal of mine was saying to me the weekend all of those .8, .9 they're all illegal, they shouldn't exist at all so I'm going to start rounding them up from now on so that max has gone from 209 to 217 in the space of 24 hours. What's going on there?
2: When we're enjoying Elton John and Dua Lipa, are you getting a cold heart?
0: Has our love for Derrick Kennedy made you hope better tunes are coming? Give me
2: what I want. Tell us the music you want to hear
0: and what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96 FM Music Family.
2: Take our 10 minute music survey
0: and you could win a 100 euro penny tiger.
2: Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Give me what I want. Or see
0: 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96.
2: Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
0: Email opinion at 96FM.ie.
2: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
0: on Cork's 96FM.
4: Yeah, come back to some of your comments and uh, input on these special places and special schools and that damning report by the Ombudsman, uh, Dr. Niall Muldoon. Just so thrilled for the state. A state official, if you want, like an ombudsman, puts it out there and just uses strong language like he has done to describe it. There he was again in the news saying children are being failed. You just wonder what will happen about it now. That's the next question. But here's the typical message. We pass eight schools on our route to school every morning. My son's route is 90 minutes. We're 25 minutes from a school. I could have him on transport in the morning. But that means holding his breakfast off until he gets to school. He's tube-fed. It takes 30 minutes to feed him en route to school. And all not not all schools are not finished just yet. We're finished on Tuesday. Thanks for that. You see, that's the thing. Eight schools between home and the school he goes to. And the poor little lad has to be tube-fed into the bargain. You can imagine the stress on that family of a morning. And I can tell you, that's not the last message I've got like that. I'll come back to them later and your experience also welcome 083 396 96 96 by text or whatsapp voice message particularly welcome has your hay fever been bothering you a bit more than it normally does have you had hay fever for the first time ever have you got a nasty chest infection after a bout of hay fever why is if your hay fever is worse than before why is that it's bothersome. Hay fever seems very bothersome for a lot of people this year. And certainly I ended up uh, at the end of May, having not taken my hay fever medication on time. I ended up with a very nice, na- you remember the state of my voice. I ended up with a very nasty chest infection. I was on inhalers and antibiotics and you name it because I left it, I left it sit there and Let us bring in Dr. Juan Chujillo to talk about these things for a few minutes. Um, Dr. Chujillo, thank you for being with me on The Opinion and I greatly appreciate you being here. Good
6: morning. Thank you, PJ. Nice nice to meet you and nice to be with your audience today. A couple of
4: questions for you. Um, Can you develop something? Because people have said to me, just anecdotally, "I, I have hay fever, but I never had it before. Can you develop hay fever that you've never had before?
6: Yes, yes. The 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 simple answer is completely yes. So the thing is that actually right now, the main pandemic that we have is an allergy pandemic since the last couple of years. So 10% of the population, at least 10% of the population will have some kind of allergy or allergic rhinitis and 40% of the children across the globe will have it.
4: Wow. Those are very stark numbers. What, do we know why there's so much of it?
6: Yes, so actually this has happened in these recently years because of the changes in the world, no? Including global warming, including the, the uh, urbanization of cities, uh, starting working and starting working in different environments, and also uh, the way that we eat has changed so dramatically in the last couple of decades that everything has uh, has started to give us a cascade of allergies. So if you remember a long time ago, your grandparents wouldn't have, or didn't uh, believe that they have any kind of allergies. But now everyone that you know or every, every kid that you know from any other family will have some sort of allergies.
4: Can you have a, a kind of a varying degree, I use the word spectrum, so my, my allergy to a certain pollen affects me in a particular way. My colleague down the hall isn't affected at all, but my colleague on the next floor is an awful lot worse than me. Can you have a spectrum of allergy to the same type of pollen?
6: yes 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 you could have it so there are two things one of the things will be that probably we all have a sort kind of allergies and sometimes depending on the person we are under diagnosing our symptoms so when you're uh when you're a kid you will have the more or less mm, the same kind of symptoms that you could have mild or moderate or severe symptoms when you grow older and this happens a lot with teenagers when i ask them how are you feeling and everything they just will say well everything is normal everything because for teenagers everything is It's so normal, but they have a completely congested nose. But at the same time, you could have another sibling at the same age that they will feel worse, even though that officially they will have the same amount of symptoms, both of them.
4: Mm. I discovered my own hay fever in an unusual way. I used to think that I always got a a cold when the seasons were changing, you know, the way the weather changes in late spring. I always thought I'd just got a cold in relation to that. Until a couple of years ago, my, old, my own GP said, no, no, you have hay fever. You just don't recognise it. That seems to happen a lot.
6: Yes, yes, yes. It happens a lot because uh, you could get an increased amount of burden of allergy at any moment of your life. So maybe something that was extremely mild for a long time and you will think that this was a normal cold uh, has increased to become even allergic rhinitis or even asthma if you don't take care of yourself.
4: Yeah, because uh, something that seems to have happened. This certainly, personally, this happened to me, and it's kind of prompted conversations like this, Doctor. In my own case, I ignored my hay fever this year, and ended up with a very nasty chest, and I was I was quite sick for a few days. And I'm not sick. I'm rarely, if ever, sick. If you don't take care of your hay fever or recognise it, you can develop things like chest infections. Can you not?
6: yes and the first thing that we always said to everything in medicine probably is prevention so the first way to the first way to just uh, decrease the possibilities of a complication because of allergic rhinitis and when we're saying allergic rhinitis or hay fever are sinusitis chest infections even a crisis in asthma is to start preventing when you're starting having all these symptoms sometimes we don't we think that we are going to start the medication when we are already really really bad when yeah. we are Really
4: feeling really wor- yeah. worse yeah yeah I I neglected to take my regular medication for about a week or two and I'm now on a strong I, I put on a stronger version straight away because I, I let it get out of control and a lot of people that have a regular hay fever reaction it's worse this year and you say that's quite that's quite predictable because of different reaction to pollens
6: Yes, and I will say that probably this happens uh, this couple of years. Also, I would like to say that this, this was also seen by many of us because of the COVID infection. So one of the things that have happened this couple of years is that we didn't went away to the park so much. We also started using masks a lot more. So that means that uh, when you we encounter with the pollens uh, outside in the park and everything, we were already preventing ourselves to inhale it so much. So now... A lot of people have forgot or have this kind of um, honeymoon period of not having so many symptoms. And now that they are going away more, going to the parks, traveling and doing more um, outside life, they will have the same symptoms that they have two years ago. That's one of the reasons. The other reason, it's completely climate change. We have increased the amount of days of summer and every time that we increase the amount of days of summers, the plants are going to grow more. And if the plants are going to grow more, we will have more pollen, more days.
4: That's a very interesting point. It, it leads me to something. I heard a discussion on a British radio station the other night, Doctor, raising a, a, an unusual point. And the point was this, that it, it's become popular now in order to try to help biodiversity and the bees and the pollinators and all that. A lot of people are letting their domestic gardens grow, uh, grow, become completely overgrown with wildflowers and, and places that would normally be mown back in summer are, are alive with beautifully coloured wildflowers and all that. Could it be that because that is the case, there are more pollens in the air that are never, not usually there and could that provoke that is- allergic reactions?
6: Yes, and don't get me started with that because my wife is one of the ones that wants me to cut that that loan in the, in the house all, all the time, but I'm really lazy about it. But it's true. It's true. If We don't do it oftenly, Or one of the things that we want to always talk to our patients, it's trying not to open the, sometimes it's impossible, but open the window entirely or in the office or in the house when it's uh, the meat of the day because that's the, mo- the pollen is going to go inside the house in those hours. But if you open it in the morning or you just open it after a good rain, that will be great because the pollen is going to drop down to the yeah. soil and that's it.
4: And of course, we've not had a lot. Of, we've had very little rain actually so far this June. Uh, and and there's a lot of pollens around. And like you said, the the, the the wildflowers, they're very popular and many of them are very beautiful, but they're they're re- releasing pollens that, that maybe we're not, used to or have any sort of immunity to Uh, some people have been complaining as well doctor uh, about nosebleeds uh, when their hay fever gets really bad can that happen?
6: Yes. So it happens usually because of two occasions. The first one is because of the increased amount of inflammation of the turbinates and the nose mucosa, the the part of the skin inside the nose. So every time that you're just inhaling or having itchiness, you're just scratching inside the nose. And uh, every time that you're uh, trying to clean your nose, you're also damaging the the mucosa there. So if you're damaging more and more and more, you're going to have this kind of nasal bleedings frequently. And it's like a vice cycle because every time that you want to scratch again, you're going to have more bleeding and again and again and again.
4: It can get, very, can get very nasty. I think what I'm hearing from you very much, doctor, is do not neglect your medication. Does that mean that it's never too late to start? Can you go to a chemist today and buy something over the counter? There are a number of products out there. And can you give yourself... Instant, even if you feel just a little bit snuffly and you think it's a cold, some of these over the counter things, they won't do you any harm and they might do you some good.
6: I would say probably that that's a correct idea. So the, there are many different products in the over-the-counter that includes antistamines of, and we always say antistamines of second generation that are the ones that are more than enough for this to, to be used. And then also different nasal sprays, including uh, saline irrigation that is only water with a little bit of salt. So mm-hmm. these are really basic stuff that you could use so that you could decrease the amount of pollen inside the nose and give you a little bit of more uh, relief Daily. So, yes, it's a good idea to start it quickly. But please, the prevention is the most important part.
4: Yes. And like you say, and it's difficult when the weather is nice and the days are warm like this. It's difficult, but you don't recommend opening the windows during the day.
6: No. And you're also using sunglasses. It's a good idea because a lot of these people, they're not complaining so much about the nose, but they're complaining about the itchiness of the eyes, yeah. the, the symptoms about being really annoyed about it. And it's difficult for people, for instance, in the junior search or living search in the middle of grass pollen season, they can't study or people can't work uh, so well as usually they do on, on winter.
4: Okay. Thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate it. Dr. Juan Trujillo is an expert in hay fever and allergies and pollen in general. So there is more of it about. Uh, He's putting it down to climate change partly at least. The days are warmer. The summers are longer. There's more pollen because there's more plants around. Uh, Those wonderful wildflowers are releasing pollens. He said that could be a, a possibility too. But there's more pollen in the air than there has been before. And just go to the chemist and get something. Um, the chemist has any number of stuff they can give you straight over the counter. And they're very good. Uh, very, very good. But don't leave it untreated. And what you think might be a cold, like you shouldn't be getting a cold in June. Just shouldn't be. So that's what happened to me in, in May. And, I'm, and I'll never again, I've been marked in my diary to start on my me meds 1st uh, of May next year because... I neglected it. I just thought I had a sniff or a cold and I was fine. And bang, I was quite sick and I had a chest infection and a sore throat. and My voice was in ribbons, as you heard here. Uh, and I ended up with a doctor and I'm not a person who goes to the doctor very often. So don't ignore it. And if you think it might be hay fever, treat it if it if it is. Go to the chemist. They can give you loads of stuff over the counter. Take it from there. And if that doesn't work, then contact your doctor 0818 96
2: 96 96 Simon Murdoch and the best music
0: mix weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM in work in the car in the kitchen make sure you got me on for free tickets live with the marquee yeah they could be yours today listen and win from midday on Cork's 96 FM we'll put that up as
4: a podcast after the show that discussion on hay fever and how it is increasingly worse this summer and Dr. Trujillo gave us some explanations as to why. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. We come back quite frequently to the subject of postnatal depression on the program because there's a lot of it out there and a lot of it is suffered in silence and a lot of it isn't recognized until it's at a dangerous level and a lot of people don't sort of see the transition from Baby blues, regular, everyday baby blues to postnatal depression. And there's a lot of research going on. But Dr. Emma Hennessy is a clinical psychologist uh, working here in Cork, works with both parents and children. And Dr. Hennessy, you use a word I've never seen or heard before. Matrescence, like adolescence. What is that? Good morning.
9: Hi, PJ. Good morning. That's correct. Yeah. Um, We talk about the concept of matrescence, which is a developmental term to describe the transition to motherhood. Um, I suppose it was originally a a term from anthropology, but was brought into modern day psychology by by, um, a psychiatrist, Alexandra Sachs in America, who... Did a lot of research in looking at what is the normal process of transitioning to motherhood in terms of the physical, emotion, emotional, psychological, and relational changes that we all go through, mm. separate from you know something like postnatal depression, where you know you're looking more at more serious mental health conditions. So it's looking at what is the normal process of becoming a mother and the different feelings that can yeah. come up with that in in terms of your identity.
4: It's an interesting term, and it's... Like becoming a mother, you know,
9: mm-hmm.
0: one
4: day you're not and the next day you are, nine months later. Yeah. Psychology is recognising now that's a transition period.
9: Absolutely. And I think there there's a, there are a lot of things that influence your transition to motherhood as well. So also, you know, the, the circumstances around conception, how you conceive your baby, uh, how you experience pregnancy, how you experience birth and delivery. And then the huge change that comes when you actually become a mom. And there's a really nice phrase that this psychiatrist, Dr. Sachs uses, and she talks about how when a baby is born, so too is a mother and each are unsteady in their own way. So it's not necessarily that all of a sudden you have a baby and you feel like a mom, you are a mom, but the process of engaging with that and, and, you know, learning who you are as a mother takes time. And that's, I think, that's something I experienced myself when I became a mom almost two years ago now. Right. And being a psychologist probably spurred me into look into it a bit more, but found that there was just a dearth of information in terms of the normal process and the psychological changes that we all go through. Um, so I started researching it and looking into it and being my going back to work then and being fortunate as part of my job, led me to be able to develop a workshop along with Klikela, the family resource center in Malo, to, talk about this and to to, to normalise this transition for mums. We wanted to provide them with a language and a framework to talk about what is what is normal and that it's it's okay to feel yeah. uncomfortable with this or maybe ambivalent about this at times. Do you know the way we
4: talk about okay. uh, milestones, like when a, a, yeah. over the first, say, three, four years of a baby's life, yeah. toddler's life, there are certain milestones. Are there milestones in the transition to motherhood, Emma?
1: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
9: There are certainly psychological tasks that we go through in pregnancy um, in terms of, you know, accepting the pregnancy leaning into it um imagining your fantasy baby thinking about the change of relationships that will happen uh post-birth but i don't think where they're readily discussed so we we probably don't think about them like that and then in terms of becoming a mom you there's that whole internal reorganization of yourself Mm. so you're thinking about who you are as well as as well as a mother. And, you know, that naturally lets us think about, you know, our own experiences of being parented and how we experienced caregivers in our lives um, and thinking about who we are as parents and Mm -hmm. maybe what we want to repeat or those maybe parts that were less helpful that maybe we don't want to repeat. that's all part of the normal transition. But I think modern day women as well, we were coming to motherhood that bit later and later might be 30, but, you know, thinking about the generations that have gone before us, that is that is later and we have maybe established a, a career and enjoyed maybe a success and achievement in, in, in getting that together and we have established routines in our lives as well. So, mm. you know, enter a baby, then when all of that can go out the window, it's really difficult and we might not feel like maybe we're good at this or, you know, maybe we're not enjoying it all the time and mm-hmm. perceptions... Out there in the media, don't necessarily portray the the other side of that that actually it's okay not to enjoy it all the time, and
0: yes.
9: it's okay to you know be in the moment with your baby and absolutely love that, and then the next minute miss parts of your old life and parts of your old uh, self. I'm just going to ask you that, that question, Emma. Impact. I remember
4: speaking to a woman a, a number of years ago, and she she just had her her first baby, and she could not find enough words to express. Mm her love for that baby and how wonderful yeah. it was to be a mom and how she and her partner were loving being parents. But then she said, you know what? I'm almost ashamed to say I miss my old life. And she actually got emotional. She said, I miss, do you know what I miss? She said, I miss going out on a Saturday night for a bite to eat and a drink and saying to my partner at 10 o'clock, ah, feck it, let's go to Full Hug.'" I miss that and I don't and I she said I feel I can't I can't say that you are allowed to say that aren't you Emma?
9: Of course you are and I think that's it we we hear whispers of those things Um, but maybe parents are afraid to say them out loud in case people will think you know that they're not enjoying it or perhaps they're not you know not not you know in love with their baby but that it doesn't mean that it's normal it's that it's a normal push and pull almost like an emotional tug of war when you become a parent And, and that the concept of matrescence talks about that as well. So you have this pull, you know, towards our babies where they become the center of our world and that's promoted obviously by, you know, the hormone oxytocin and that helps us to, you know, fall in love and to bond with our babies. But at the same time, our minds push away from that where we're thinking about those other parts of ourselves, you know, our other relationships, maybe our work, hobbies or intellectual selves or you know even just our physical needs to sleep <laughs> mm-hmm. and all of those things you know you're so it is kind of a push and pull between both and that can make us feel uncomfortable and mm. ambivalent and ambivalence doesn't mean that we're not sure about it it's more it's it's rather it's or a lack of emotion it's it's mm. more of a fullness of emotion where we feel we want both and yet you can't talk about the transition and this push and pull without talking about loss as well. Yeah. you know, loss of perhaps the old parts of ourselves, and yes, it's, that that's what this is about: is figuring out who you are now, as well as being a moment, and not just adding it to your CV. You know, it's yeah. it's not just another part of you, but to to figure out how that fits in.
4: Your life, your life has and has changed, and that is a permanent change. You're entitled mm-hmm. to be a bit discombobulated by that, are you not?
9: Definitely, yeah, definitely, and I think it, it's important to think about it and to, to lean into it and to make space for those that emotional upheaval um, and to talk about it and to say, you know, I I I didn't expect it to feel like this or I don't know what what to do with how I'm feeling and to ask for help around it. it it's you know, it is every part of you changes and that's okay. But it's also really hard, yeah. and and it's okay um, to say it's hard, yeah, and it's a natural pro- process that we all go through, and I think to talk about it more, to find out that most people find being in this push and pull challenging would allow for more conversations about the transition to motherhood and to you know the struggles that we we go through okay. um in that discomfort that isn't all as I said, isn't always disease, and perhaps that would. Even reduce rates of postnatal depression if we were able to talk about these, you know, guilty feelings or whatever is going on for us.
4: Talk to me about Um, your workshops. You've had two already and you plan to hold some more.
9: Yeah. So, um, these workshops kind of came out of this experience and talking with a colleague of mine, Mag Milan, she's a family support worker in, in the Kayla Family Resource Centre in Mallow. And we both have an interest in infant mental health and parenting approaches. So we just got chatting and said, you know, what can we do to to bring some of this to parents in the community? And part of our role in primary care is prevention as well. And I think, you know, if mom is okay, baby is okay. So we're thinking about, the future in terms of relationships with your baby. And we decided on running two workshops. We've just finished them. Um, And they looked at just providing a space for new moms to talk about their own matrescence, to introduce the concept, to think about what this is like and what does it mean. Um, And we also talked about emotional health after pregnancy. So, you know, what goes on for us, what impacts on our emotional health, Um, a concept called postnatal depletion which is distinct from postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety but that you know looking at the resources that having a baby both through pregnancy and delivery and then caring for a baby how they can deplete how that can deplete our resources and looking after ourselves in that we also talked about the perfect mother myth that i think is portrayed a lot in social media about the misconceptions of um, you know what what motherhood and parenthood is supposed to look okay. like. Um, and then we focused a lot on just being good enough. So there's a concept called good enough mothering. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm aware, aware of, of this. Yeah. I'm
4: aware of this concept. Yeah. good enough parenting. Yeah, um, and, and yeah.
9: that like if anyone just takes that away, that that's the most important thing that all our children need is for us to be good enough and actually being perfect. Is, is definitely not what mm. they need um, and isn't helpful for them and then obviously looking after ourselves, how do we find time to take care of ourselves and what does that look like mm.
4: Well Emma, when, you're, when you are running future workshops, would you let us know, because I know I've, we have a lot of Absolutely. listeners who, who would be fascinated by that but the idea is yeah. this new concept of metrescence, this is a development, you're entitled to feel a bit overwhelmed mm-hmm. from time to time and you shouldn't be afraid yeah. to talk about it
9: Exactly that's, it. All right. no,
4: That's leave it. it. Leave it there. I'm sure we'll talk again. It's a very interesting take on uh, postnatal depression and support of postnatal depression. It's not a term I've ever heard uh, before. Matrescence, uh, like adolescence. And if you treat it like that, you might understand it better. Thank you uh, Dr. Emma Hennessy, she's a clinical psychologist. We will speak again.
2: Access all areas on Cork's 96FM.
0: Your guide to nightlife on Leeside.
2: Hi, it's Michael here with an update on
13: Cork's entertainment. Treat yourself to an evening of laughter and triumph as Norma Sheehan breathes new life into Willie Russell's effervescent and iconic character, Shirley Valentine. It comes to Cork Opera House on Saturday, September 24th. Access all
0: areas.
13: Irish grunge legends, Curb Dog come to Cork in October to celebrate the 25th anniversary of their classic On The Turn album. They'll be ably assisted on the night by FIFA Records noise merchants Clubber Lang with tickets on sale now from cypressavenue.ie
2: Access All Areas
13: You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any gigs by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie Access
4: all areas
0: with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer
4: on Cork's 96FM. Quick reminder to you, our ever popular Garden Festival from the last two summers is back again uh, on the app or at 96FM.ie. Brought to you by Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. All the big hits from all the summer's headline acts non-stop streaming online right now, and maybe you got some of these guys on it. They're in town tonight. I cannot wait to see this gig. I've been waiting for it since it was first announced and then had to be cancelled at the Marquee. And they're making a little bit of a, a stopover in Cork. They were spotted around Kinsale yesterday having a pint and a, a bit of grub and just taking in a beautiful summer's day in Kinsale. And they're wandering around enjoying themselves before they come on stage tonight at the Marquis to give us their greatest hits. The Pet Shop Boys are in town tonight for Live at the Marquee. Brilliant. And they're around town, so if you spot them, Tennant and Low, get a picture. They're nice guys. They'll take a picture with you. They like a pint, and they like a sandbow, and they like a bit of fun. We'll see them tonight. That's West End Girls Corks, 96 FM. 0818 96. 96, 96. Now, a very well-known astrologer has moved back to West Cork to uh, Court MacSherry. I wasn't aware Martha Clark of your love yeah. affair with the place good morning to you
14: <laughs> Hi, how are you? Thanks very much for having me on the show. No, I actually lived here a couple of years ago for five years, right. and it's a very dreamy, quietly creative place. Um, it's a very inspiring place. I, I don't know if you know it or if oh, I know it very yet. well,
4: and yeah. that, yeah. that's why I'm saying like <laughs> you, you describe it so well. It's 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 one of the most beautiful places ever put on the earth.
14: It is, isn't it? It's just stunning. Yeah, and the, it's sun, stunning. the
4: sun the sunsets and the oh man,
14: yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially when you go down around the hotel and you sit there because they get the sun later in the evening because Court McSherry faces north. But then when you go down around the hotel area, you get the sun for, you know, an hour or two later in the evening. It's stunning, it's beautiful. That's right, yeah. The fabulous
4: sunsets off the coast and stuff like that. Now, you describe it, Martha Clark, as a Neptunian, highly creative village. What on earth do you mean by that?
14: and that was me thinking we were going to talk about sunsets well neptune in your astrology chart indicates like your divine creativity it's like where your creativity flows through you and not from you it's like when you paint something and you have no idea where the image came from and um, so i have quite a strong neptune line not far from from court macsherry so that's why for me it really does um, enhance my creativity and when i lived here you know originally i was a photographer and now that i've come back here well as doing astrology and painting up the storm it's funny because when you're when Fergal rang me last week i was painting away when he rang me so that's what neptune is it's like it's your higher spirituality and it's your higher creativity yeah and as you probably know a lot of artists live here as well
4: that's right that's yeah, right yeah so neptune is creativity like
0: it is, yeah.
4: i think we, we all kind of have an idea of what uh, astrology is yeah. roughly it's, yeah. it's the planets and how, how they affect our lives and our relationships and our work. This, yeah. this isn't about horoscopes that you read in the paper No, no, no,
14: no that, that's just pure pop stuff and none of that's accurate you know because basically our natal birth chart is what your soul came here in this lifetime to learn and experience it's kind of your spiritual curriculum say, as a fellow astrologer likes to say so um, you know when we understand our natal birth chart like I remember when I first had my first chart read in, way back in 2007 and my astrologer was talking about my creativity and I looked at him and said like what are you talking about my children are creative I am not you mm-hmm. know and I think a lot of people particularly women they kind of put their creativity into their children and don't realise that they're very creative themselves so that's basically what understanding your astrology chart does it gives you a much greater understanding of yourself
10: yeah.
14: um, and a greater sense of well actually do you know what this, this part of my life might be hard but I can work on it and therefore transform it
4: And that's because my astral chart says I'm able to... Like, astro-cartography sounds to me like... It sounds to me like if I give you the the day I was born and the time I was born, you draw a map on the position of the planets in the sky at that night, at that moment, and then they determine... My, my life's pathway. Is, is it something to a like certain, that?
14: To a, certain, to a certain degree. You know, your nature chart is kind of, it's the lessons you came here in this lifetime to learn. And then after that, we do what's called a transit chart. Because yeah. we know the planets are always moving. So you know when we do a transit chart that 's where the planets are in your chart at the moment, and that 's what 's triggering you know certain themes in your life this year versus last year versus next year, like when I moved to Italy, for example, I was going through a Neptune transit to Neptune, so it was all very dreamy and floaty. I just floated into the bank and borrowed way too much money and then floated off to Italy, so that was pure <laughs> Neptune it all just like worked out for me yeah you know, and um, so your transit chart would be like you know the lessons that you're here to learn like right. this week and next week and over the coming months. You know, transits to the personal planets, which would be the moon, the sun, Mercury, Mars and Venus might only last and um, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, but transits then to the outer planets like Uranus, Neptune and Pluto can last up to two years.
4: Right. And can you then make or is it possible to make decisions based on this? Like can can a transit or an astro can it, can it determine? Well, like you moved to Italy and then you yeah. now back in Court McSherry Yeah. Can 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 following this. These charts can it tell you the right place, for example, to live, or the right kind of work you should be doing, or the right kind of relationship you should be in.
14: Yeah, well, you know, work is a great question because very often, you know, we're doing jobs that our parents wanted us to do. You know, so when you, you know, when you do your astrocartography and when you do your natal chart, you can see well the work that you are maybe meant to be doing. And um, you know, so that that's why it can really empower you to make you know proper life decisions and follow the the right career path. I mean, I I like to think that, you know, if if people had their charts done at the age of 15 or 16, they'd pick maybe very different career paths. And in terms of relationships, you know, some people are meant to have kind of more free-flowing relationships than others. Some people, their whole life is focused around always being in a relationship. So it really helps to know that. You know, because when we talk about relationships, you you know, the popular astrology talks about Mars being your sex drive and Venus being love and seduction. But really, in relationships, it's about Mercury, which is how you communicate and it's about the moon which is how you have your needs met and how you meet the other person's needs and then it's Saturn which is how you do things and how you structure things Hmm. I mean we all know couples where you know the wife plans things a year in advance and the husband you know flies by the seat of his pants you know they've 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 obviously got very different Saturns but they probably complement each other Guilty as charged your (laughs) honour I think actually all men are like that I live in such a house I live
4: in such a house
14: you fly
4: by to see your every day do you? <laughs> well not not quite every day but certainly in terms of decisions. That's an interesting one now. I mean I've been married for 28 years now and if, in, inevitably it's the wife who'll make the the plan. I, yep. I said, "Hang on, it's only June. Why are you making a plan for March?" Who is your? It, it will come and we need to be ready. Whereas I go, "Right, well I'll think about it in February." You know. T-
14: well, yeah, but can you see how you probably balance each other out? We would do. It'd be very boring if you both planned things a year in advance. How oh, boring would that be? You know, it'd be terrible. You know, because then, you know, if if you are both people who planned things a year in advance, then if the unexpected arises, you don't know how to cope with it.
4: And actually, it it, it explains something that we constantly have in in our house. We say, Peter, we had this conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
14: <laughs> I'd love to know what sign your mercury is in because actually a lot of a lot Well, of I'll tell you. Are...
4: I'll tell you. She's a she's a Taurian and I'm a Capricorn.
14: All right. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So well, if if your son is in Capricorn, then that's ruled by Saturn. So here we are talking about Saturn. But it's funny because a lot, you know, some of the, um, you know, some TV presenters were all very, very Gemini. And Gemini is like Jerry Ryan was very Gemini, for example, and the late Jerry Ryan. So Gemini is ruled by Mercury. So that's all about communication. Ryan Tuberty is very Gemini as well. So you know the Gemini energy is all around communication and having the backwards and forwards, the dialogue. Of the conversation. I would imagine that a lot of radio presenters have probably very strong mercury in their charts as well. Yeah,
4: yeah, You're kind of um, busting a, a myth, if you want, Marisa, in this conversation because we all would, would have thought that, right, the chart is determined at the moment of your birth, like I said well ago, yeah. the plan, and is, yeah. that determines everything. But ch- It changes now, is what you're saying.
14: It does, yeah, because, you know, you, you you have the power to change your life and to transform your life. You know, you really do. And that's something that, you know, astrology really empowers you to do. It's like, I, you know, I often go back to, you know, my astrologer saying how creative I was. that, And I was, I was only learning to be a photographer at that stage. And then he talked about, and later on, your painting. And I was looking at him. And here I am now. I paint almost every day. So, you know... <clears throat> understanding your natal chart can really empower you to, you know, say for example if you have challenges in relationships or challenges getting close to people, you know astrology can help you understand that and help you overcome that. You know for example if somebody has their moon, the moon is how you have your needs met and how you meet somebody else's needs. So for example somebody who's got the moon in Scorpio that's like fixed water, very often they will need the other person to understand how they feel without saying anything. Now can you imagine how difficult that is for the other person? But if You've got your Moon in Scorpio. You can learn to say that. You can learn to say, actually, you know, I need you to understand how I feel without having to say it, and how just even saying that would completely transform a relationship. You know, my, yeah, you if we know, understood
4: that mystery, Martha.
14: I know, I know, yeah, I know.
4: <laughs> the, 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 it can determine, can't it, as well your your personality? Because yeah. I mean, at the moment now, here's the I, I, I'm like two people this time of the year. I cannot get enough light, oh, sunshine, right. yeah. out. Yeah. I, I I don't watch telly. I'm sitting, I was sat out last night reading a book until 20 past 10 until I got cold and to come in. In the wintertime, I absolutely despise the long, dark days. I call myself a creature of the light. Is that something yeah. the planets can determine?
14: Well, they can, yeah, because after something like you might need to go and spend, you know, a couple of weeks in the winter somewhere sunny. Oh, I wish. You know, and that would really recharge your batteries and really recharge your energy. But you, it's probably quite difficult for you to do that. But sometimes even going somewhere for two or three days can make a difference.
0: Yeah.
14: You yeah. know, I mean, if it's possible for you to do that and that just recharges your energy yeah. and recharge, you know, like, for example, when I lived in Italy, um, I had an awful lot more energy than I have here.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
14: Because, you know, I was living close to a Mars line. So Mars is all about getting things done yes. and driving action. So, I mean, Jesus, like, you know, I, I cycled everywhere nonstop. I used to run, when I think about it, I used to run. I don't know, four miles in the morning at half six and then I would cycle absolutely everywhere. You know, and that that's Mars, you know, making you do things and making you get up and take action. So this is where, you know, going back to your natal chart, like for example, my Mars is kinda quite challenging. It's like I need to work at it to take action and to do things. But again, because I have an awareness around it, I do it. Yes. You know, I'm what they call Mars, square Saturn. So that's kind of like the workhorse. I can also be somebody who's afraid to take risks. But because I know that about myself, it's like, well, just take the risk. Stop thinking
4: about it. Yes, I'm a great man for eventually. I will do it eventually.
14: Oh, right, Yeah, yeah. And do you talk about it a lot before you make a big decision? Oh, all the time. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and do people go, Jesus? Here, you, here he is again. You just away. didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that as well. I mean, yeah. I, 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 you know, I will ask fifteen people for their opinions and then I will go off and do it. And oh yeah. the but, the,
4: the, the, yeah, what, I, I, would say to the wife, I, will do that. No problem. I'll put eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. How do you? You, you teach, you teach this stuff as well do you? I
14: do, I do indeed. Yeah. I'm working on an online course at the moment. I've just finished teaching a four-week astrocartography course. Um, because I know in the questions you sent me, you said like, is that not putting astrologers out of business? Yeah. It's not really. It's empowering people to make you know to make decisions themselves because very often they will have come to me for an ACL chart or a transit chart before they then go and study with me. So I mean, you know, basically it's empowering people to make their own decisions and empowering people to change their own lives and to transform their own lives. And, you know, we don't have to relocate forever. We can just go somewhere even for three weeks or two or three months. And um, You know, teaching this gives people, you know, the courage and the energy to make those decisions themselves. Yes. I mean, you know, it's really funny because when I taught it last year, somebody had, she had relocated. She had decided to relocate halfway through the course, which was great, which was brilliant because that's what you want. You know, it's it's like, what, what did they say? Teach a man. The, the line about giving a man a fishing line—you feed him for today, give him a fishing yeah. line, you feed him forever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's the same—it's the same kind of thing with astrology, you know. Because certainly, since COVID, there's been an increase in interest in it because people have been questioning more and more well actually what's life really about. Yeah. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and <clears throat> I was talking as if COVID had lasted three years, and she was saying everybody is saying that, everybody's talking as if it lasted three years. It wasn't; it was only two. Yeah. You know, and certainly COVID has caused people to, um, you know, to to re their life like never before and to say, look, you know what? So I'm not putting off the dream until, you know, I'm 70 and going to do it now. So isn't that wonderful yeah. that people are saying, well, actually, now I know what's really important, whether it's to spend time with my family or whether it's to travel or whether it's to write that book I always wrote.
4: And if you learn about your astro-cart, your astro-map, you yeah. can learn where, when you're supposed to travel, why you're supposed yeah, exactly. to travel, maybe even where you're supposed to travel too, which is yeah, interesting. Exactly. MarthaClarkAstrology.com yeah, exactly. is the website. There's a load of information there. You've got a book as well, which you brought out called Venus-Pluto. Martha, a pleasure to have you on The Opinion. We will talk again, I have no doubt, about our maps and our charts and our personalities. But there's a huge interest in astrology since before uh, lockdown, so that's why we wanted to talk to her and she's living in beautiful Court McSherry Martha Clark, thank you The Two
2: Grand Minute Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day answer 10 questions to claim all that cash stacking up the cash
0: cash, the two grand minute with foodie and more blackpool douglas or eden hall from milestone birthdays to graduations and more tasty fresh asian food at foodie and more
2: casey and ross in the morning
0: on cork's 96 fm Yeah,
4: still your stuff is coming into us on Cost of Living and all those uh, newspaper stories this morning. And we're talking earlier with Christian McCashin of the Irish Daily Mail, uh, about the state of play, as it were. You'll be able to hear that on the podcast a little bit later on. Um, But we are second only to Denmark in terms of the cost of living now. And Christian was saying if you dig into it a little more, you'll find, well, look, some of that is inevitable because we're an island nation. Everything we import has to be brought in by transport. Supply chains getting more expensive, transports getting more expensive. But on the other hand, uh, some of the costs we're dealing with every day are not explained away uh, like that. So generally, we are a very expensive country in which to presently live. And we had a comparison with the North. Uh, the cost of living literally go from Newry. Or literally go from Dundalk, say, up into Newry, and the cost of living is dramatic in the space of that short drive. Hi PG, I'm just writing to in regards to the government and the councils and their policies. I've helped a number of people who found themselves homeless. I help people around me who are in this horrific situation. Some of them have kids. One case jumped out of me. A young woman with a child was told if she's going to sleep on the street, they'll phone Tusla and her child be taken into care this is not on the government that's in power is not doing a good enough job it's time for people to stand up for their rights they've had a long enough time to make changes it's been going on for years and there's nothing changing thank you for that I right. also had uh, some more stuff on special needs that uh, a report by the ombudsman for children Dr Muldoon which we featured earlier on again that'll be up on on podcast or discussion about that but um the, the Ombudsman has just slated the government, absolutely slated the government for its failure, as he says, to provide adequately for children with special needs. But we had a lovely story in from Kinsale, which I don't get it today, get to it today, we'll definitely get to tomorrow. 0818. 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And of course, your email is always opinion at 96fm.ie. If you're one of the people who listens to us on podcast or indeed listens to our overnight repeat show uh, between 3 and 5 a.m., that's the easiest way for you to get us at opinion at 96 fm. ie. I want to talk about the Network Ireland West Cork Businesswoman of the Year Awards for a little while. Um, we focus on Network Cork quite a lot because it's a growing organisation representing and supporting and empowering women in business and Network Ireland West Cork. I'm joined first of all by Sharon Hogard who is the winner of the Emerging New Business Award in the recent Network Ireland Awards. Congratulations Sharon, good morning.
15: Thank you so much PJ, thank you. <laughs> Still buzzing.
4: <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about your business and what you do.
15: So I'm um, Sharon Hooker, the Style Coach, and what I do is I merge personal style. So I've been a stylist for 10 years with personal development. So I suppose I found that I was able to help women, um, you know, put something new on them and off they went, but it didn't actually, you know, change how they felt inside. So I've merged personal development, um, NLP and QTT. So I'm styling inside and out. So empowering women. So we're we're in the same business.
4: (laughs) I can understand inside, or outside rather, you know, clothes and... Other things. What what do you mean by insight? I
15: suppose if you have the same thoughts, like if you buy a new top and put it on you, but you still don't feel confident, you still have this negative self-talk and, you know, body confidence is a huge issue at the moment um, and, you know, it always has been, but certainly in the last couple of years. um, So it's just, it it doesn't change anything if it certainly started as a tool to help you do that. But I think with the inside and the outside, when you're feeling confident, Inside and outside, when the two of them are, you know, are aligned, it's magnetic, and you just, it's just, um, as so you changing your thoughts and changing, um, I suppose how you feel about yourself and what you're saying to yourself. So it's really, really powerful.
4: What's been your business story, Sharon? Has has it been um, difficult? To yeah, I, I
15: took the scenic route. I worked in um, the financial services for about fifteen years. And I took um, time off. I, don't know, I, was, I didn't take time off. I <laughs> took time out of the corporate world um, to mind my then three small children under the age of three and a half. And I won Ireland's Next Top Stylist.
0: Good
15: um, and I decided this was it. This is what I wanted to do. I wanted to help women and empower women. And um, I was like, set up my own business. It was called Style For You. And being honest, I was plagued and blighted by imposter syndrome. And I just didn't, I was like, who am I to, you know, who do I think I am? I've never even worked in a shop, I've never worked mm-hmm. in retail. Who am I to help women? You know, um live in this kind of, I suppose, glamorous world of um of styling of styling. And here I was at home with three small kids. <laughs> you know, it wasn't exactly the most glamorous, but I was really passionate, I suppose, about helping people. And I always felt that I preferred to be in LeP during a talk, the London Fashion Week. Um, and it was always really, I suppose, about merging that um, and helping women feel better about themselves. So I worked in a boutique for six years and that was brilliant because I got to style just hundreds and hundreds of people. And that's really where I suppose, where I had the idea because yeah. I was able to see in the changing room that I could help somebody um, and, you know, tell them what, what worked on them. But they still left none the wiser. So they looked amazing for that event. Nothing had changed inside.
0: Yeah,
15: yeah. I think.
4: Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, do you have a natural eye? For what will work when someone walks into you?
15: Yeah, I, I, yes, I do. I, yeah, I do. Because, um, you know, I, I, I'm a qualified um, stylist. But I suppose for me as well, it's it's not, it's it, their tools, not rules. And I don't really want to be telling women, you can wear that, you can't wear that. It's about, you know, my tagline is style, it's a feeling. And it's very important for me that women feel, you know, feel amazing and feel good and feel, and their lifestyle, taking into consideration their lifestyle, their budget and lots of elements. So it's all about It's not about me or making mini-me's, it's about my clients and um, empowering
4: them to feel amazing. Well, clearly, uh, they do, because your business (laughs) is very successful. Stay there for me, Sharon, for a second, and bring in the President now of the Network Ireland West Cork, Marie Wiseman. Marie, good morning to you.
10: Good morning, Peter. How are you doing?
4: Good. We've spoken to Network many, many, many times. Go back over the history of it a little bit for me. Why was it set up and for whom?
10: So it was set up many, many years ago um, as a national piece, um, but the West Cork branch was developed just five years ago, Mm. um, because Cork, obviously, the the largest county in Ireland, Mm. um, and although there was a Cork branch um for people down in West Cork, particularly sort of very west, sort of Bantry Castle Tarver, that kind of way. There's an awful trudge up to um to Cork to go to events and stuff. So um Adrian Harrington set up the West Cork branch and um and it's been hugely, hugely successful um as a result. And it's it's just it's really there to support women um and provide sort of a, a network for women and to support one another and to really kind of you know bond with other like minded people and um, um, and meet up and and yeah, I suppose really just kind of support each other and have one another's
4: backs. So it's um, yeah. yeah. Sharon talked there about imposter syndrome, and <laughs> I think a lot of people, a lot of women, feel that way. They feel sort of, "Am I really? Go, who am I to be doing this?" That's a that's a hurdle to get over. And it really it, is. that affects a lot. I, I, it probably affects a lot of people, but it seems to be worse in women, in my experience, anyway.
10: Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. Um, yeah, it is it is widely, you know, a, across the the piece, but certainly with women, it's it's huge. And that's where I think the awards are absolutely brilliant because they're a great way of um encouraging people to just take that step back and think, do you know what? I actually have achieved loads. And once you actually start to put that down in writing um and put it in front of people, it's a great way of actually thinking, No, do you know what? I am great. Um and really sort of acknowledging those achievements that you've got and um, and then allowing yourself to, to celebrate as well. You know, we had eleven finalists. Yeah. Um, with us at Glebe on, on Friday, and you know, there were three of them now merged as winners. But actually, all eleven have achieved so much, and it was it was just fantastic. Absolutely yeah. brilliant.
4: The changes that COVID brought about, and now that we thankfully, at least thankfully, it's in the rear view mirror, and we say that with our fingers and toes crossed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it changed things, but also things emerged that kind of confirmed what you already thought.
10: Yeah, I mean, it, it it did it changed things hugely, and I suppose what it also did was it you know it it did make everybody reevaluate um, not just their business but their priorities and and everything else, and and obviously you know we we change the way we do things and stuff as well, but um, I suppose you know the. The awards event on on Friday afternoon was was so lovely because it was our first awards yeah. that we've made to do face to face in three years, and actually only our second face to face event. Um, and it was just you, you forget how powerful it is just to to be there in the company of other people and hearing the buzz around you. And um, it's it was it was just magical, absolutely magical. And I think exactly that's right. Yeah. You know we um, we have just. Rethought about what's important in our lives, and um, yeah, it's 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 very very powerful.
4: Indeed, Sharon, bring you back in. Uh, congratulations yes. once more. So, where do you go from here with this award? Is there a national? element to yes, this?
15: yeah so um we're on to the nationals in Galway on the 7th of October so that's going to be really really exciting and I'm really looking forward to that because we'll get to meet people from other we'll get to represent West Cork as well which is amazing mm-hmm. and we'll get to meet um other women um from you know it's so I suppose they're so diverse there's so, you know um such a wide range of women in business but all with the same goal and all with the same um you know ambitions and everything so it's really exciting
4: all right, listen, Sharon, thank you. And uh, to Marie Wiseman, President of the National Network, Ireland, West Cork. Thank you both. Uh, on to Oct- Galway in October, and I'm sure we'll talk again then, Sharon. Thanks. 0818 96, 96, 96. Uh, Just on special schools, which we talked about earlier on. A number of autistic children from Ballincollig travel uh, by taxi to a secondary school in McCroom every day. My son attends a class that is 42 kilometres from our house. I have to drive him myself because he won't travel with anybody else. So my daily commute to and from school is 168 kilometres on bad country roads. Like, that is, that's stark. That's stark. And remember the number that jumped out from the Ombudsman's report? was the number of children having to travel outside their locality to attend specialist provision. Fifteen and a half thousand. There's one of them. Can you imagine how much that is costing in petrol or diesel or whatever you drive with? My God, that's astonishing. She's driving 168 kilometres a day just to bring the child to and from school. Graham says, the Ombudsman's report is telling us nothing we don't already know. Cork is a black spot. It's scary, uh, seeing as it sometimes has even better provision than other parts of the country. The last two ministers have had the power to solve this for years. The department, the NCSE, and ministers Madigan and Foley are the problem, as opposed to the allies they claim to be. And we've had years of receiving applications from desperate families in Ballincollig and Douglas and all around Cork it'll be the exact same this coming October that's from Graham who teaches uh, an autistic class and this, this thing the power he's right the Department of Education the Minister for Education of the day has the power the actual power in writing in legislation to turn around to any school and say actually from next year you shall open not you can not you will not you might not we'd like you to you shall open such a class has that power any school, so if you're driving past a school with your child because the school hasn't got provision, the minister of the day has the power to say to that, you shall open a class. Why aren't they using it more? 0818969696. 96 96. You're one away from 2,000 euros Oh god You're one away <laughs> Full name please
8: Lorraine Pendlebury
4: From what part of the world? Clam Lorraine, I wish you was here to scream You've won 2,000
0: euros yeah. yeah.
4: You know
15: what?
8: I listen to see every morning driving to work.
2: the you've just won 2,000 euros.
8: It's amazing. Ring of Kerry, here I come. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you so much. Stacking
2: up the cash. Cash! Cash! With two
0: grand minutes. With Foodie and More, Blackpool, Douglas or Eaton Hall. From milestone birthdays to graduations and more tasty fresh Asian food at Foodie and More. Listen to
2: play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. On Casey and Ross in
4: the morning ninety six Right, I said I'd get to this uh, hopefully by the end of play today, and here's my opportunity. Hi PJ, we're parents of a 15-year-old boy with a moderate learning need. I'm writing to you with good news, which may encourage and offer hope to other parents. We live in Kinsale. Our local school is Kinsale Community School. Our son was due to leave his community and travel to Bandon for secondary school last year. But he doesn't know anybody. This was causing him concern as he wanted to go to the same school as his older sister and stay local. Thanks to the kind and passionate heart of our local school principal, Mr. Fergal McCarthy, our son got to stay in his community. What's more, a moderate learning unit is being opened for September to accommodate his needs and those of pupils like him that live in our greater community. This, as you and your listeners can imagine, is life-changing for our son and his peers. By being in their local school, they grow in confidence. They begin to be part of society. They begin to feel safe and feel accepted. It's a vital step towards a whole and an active adult life. I would encourage all parents to go into their local schools and make themselves known to their local school principal, ask if their son or daughter can attend. Luckily for us, and for the greater Kinsale community, Mr Fergal McCarthy is passionate about his school. He strives for excellence in everything that he does. He doesn't use the word no, at least not too often. Over time, he understood how important it was to offer our son and his peers a place in their community. He is an example to all other school principals and he has changed our family's life. They say, PJ, it takes a village to raise a child. When it comes to children with extra needs, it absolutely does. But it also takes goodness and kindness and the courage to do the right thing. Luckily for, Mr. for us, Mr McCarthy has all those qualities in abundance. We thought it would be nice for other parents to know there is hope. With gratitude, Dennis and Aoife. And your name is McCarthy, but I take it you're not Related. That's a lovely story. That should be happening everywhere. That's the kind of progressive thinking that is needed in our schools. Thank you for that. And it's lovely to know there is hope and there is and, and yeah, I've heard great things. Great things about Concealed Community School and how progressive they are down there. 0818 96, 96, 96. What or who is bear max? Bear Max. You might have seen the brand. You might know what it is. It's clothes, startup clothing, uh, t shirts and sweatshirts and accessories. It's all very colourful and very bright and very positive. Let's get the story behind it. Uh, Lucas Samuel Jesta Breck. Am I right? Hi, PJ. You're right. Yeah, it's right. It's pronounced Yes, trabeck, yes trabeck. but I
13: don't push people to do it correctly. <laughs> good, plan,
4: good, plan. Now, you are the, the CEO of, of BearMax. It's, it's a great name. First of all, the idea, and then explain the name.
13: Okay, okay. Um, again, thank you for having me. Um, so, the idea behind the brand... Um, I was always thinking having a little business, something that people would enjoy, um, something that people would know, obviously, you know, the name would be very popular. um, And I always wanted to create some nice quality products, whatever they would be. Um, And I was always very creative um, and I thought that the designs uh, would be something that, you know, people need to wear clothing. um, And I think that's the best way to show it um, to the world outside. Where Um, are you from
4: originally, Lucas? uh, How did you end up in Cork designing clothes? um, I'm originally from Czech Republic. Um,
13: So um, I was living just normal childhood really. Uh, Before in 2012, I moved to England. Um, I had a little shop there as well, um, where I was I was printing the t-shirts myself actually, um, but it was very little, it was just mostly for friends um, mm. and for myself. Uh, and then I came to Cork in 2019, um, I moved here for a job um, and obviously in the last two years um, we didn't have much to do, um, so I was thinking, you know, what would be the next step for me? And that's, that's kind of where Bear Max came through. Yeah,
4: the designs are fabulous, where did they come from, Where the inspiration behind them? Thank you. Um, I think um I always had idea to have a to
13: have a bear. Um, you know, he would be doing anything, um, because I always identified myself as a bear. Um and I wanted I wanted the bear to have my, my personality and it, it meant to be very moody and the bear should not be like happy and um but still have kinda of like a warm heart. Um so I always wanted to identify with that. And then it kind of turned into, you know, still having the bear as the main, uh, main character of the brand. Um, but obviously I came with the pride collection, yeah. um, which I want to, I want to keep that um, as part of it, not just for the pride month.
4: Yes. I, I see you've got things like pride towels and you've got logos in the in the, in the pride colors as, as part of the, mm-hmm. as, as part of the, of the 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 range. How's the, how's the market? How's the selling?
13: Um, to be honest, um there's there's been obviously a few months of planning and I was trying to um trying to get some test t shirts obviously to see the quality and the print. Um and I opened last Monday. Um and since then it's been really slow. Um but I go I got a few orders and it's and it's really nice to actually see, you know, strangers ordering from my website rather than only seeing your friends because then you know you're out there and you being seen, so um, yeah. I'm trying to do lots of Instagram posts, and my friends are always posting for me, and it's yeah. yeah, it's quite it's quite
4: nice. Are you hoping that that say like the like Pride allies will, will come on board and support you?
13: I hope so, and you know I I try to still put my name out there. I want to do some events as well, so just to just to show that I am there, um, and have uh, some of the support or, or join with some other groups where this would be appropriate to sell.
4: Yeah. Now, looking at the website this morning and looking at the stuff you have on offer, uh, you've got your friends doing the modeling, which is nice. Keep it keep it in-house. But it's important for them, That important to you, I guess, that they're, they're so supportive.
13: Oh, God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to be honest, like without them, you know, it would take so much time to find people to do these photos. And I know they're always so happy to um, to do it for me and because I'm also interested in photography which I did before I started Bearmarks um, so they always wanted some photos from me anyway so I was like oh we can do both together you know let's use this for Bearmarks and let's do some photos as well but yeah it means a lot to me and it's I'm like proud and happy to have them on the website just to you know being the face of Bearmarks
4: yeah you've got t-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies and towels and hats and caps and stickers and pins such <laughs> so a range in fairness and it's all online so people can keep, people can buy online now can they
13: Oh, absolutely, absolutely! It's all on the website mybearmax right. um, where you can place your orders.
4: Right. There will be more stuff coming. It's at, it's at, cool. At, it's it's cool to see, and it's it's love. There's the there's the lovely stuff, really nice and really Thank well. You. And I love the bear. I gotta say, I love. That. I have a thing about bears and teddy bears <laughs> and all that. Anyway, so listen, good to speak with you, Lucas, uh, from uh, Bear Max Pride Clothing, and the the stuff is nice, really nice. Thanks, Lucas. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six.
2: Simon Murdoch and the best music mix
0: Weekdays from Midday on Cork's 96FM In work, in the car, in the kitchen Make sure you got me on for free tickets Live with the marquee Yeah, they could be yours today Listen and win from Midday on Cork's 96FM Come
4: you on, know, we've loads of stars Wandering around the place The last couple of days Bill Murray, I think, spotted in, in the pub Taking part in a ballad session I mentioned earlier on the Pet Shop Boys we're around Kinsale, having lunch and having a pint and making a couple of days out of it as they stay here in Cork and some lovely sunshine ahead of the marquee tonight. And I see here on Twitter, uh, where apparently Harry Styles has been spotted, uh, supping a can in in uh, Dublin. Um, his girlfriend is with him now. I'd be a much bigger fan of hers than of him. Because his girlfriend is Olivia Wilde, she's an actor. Now you might, the name might mean a whole pile to you, but if you would have been a fan of House, which was probably one of the best television shows I've ever seen, Hugh Laurie, and a great cast in in House ran for eight seasons, uh, about the crankiest doctor ever set foot in a hospital, great show, but she played a part in that called Thirteen. Uh, and I remember hearing that Harry Styles was dating Olivia Wilder and said, he's doing what? He's going out with 13? He apparently was supping cans and popping into pubs around Dublin and done and places like that. Good to see it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Speaking of people in the music business, would you like to win a 100 euro pennies voucher? Then you can. You simply go online and vote for the fresh new music that we play and we could help you shop for free. It'll take you 10 minutes. It's an online survey at 96fm.ie. You'll be part of the Cork's 96fm music panel, choosing the tunes and winning a 100 euro voucher for yourself. Online now, the survey at 96fm.ie. Now, I regularly give a shout out here on the programme to the PROC, the People's Republic of Cork. And they listen to me and they pretend to hate me but I know that they love me and it's the same goes both ways but I heard of the people's republic of Cork but I've never heard of the people's republic of pork yeah I said right pork and again we touch base with the midsummer festival and the people's republic of pork is a comedy musical I love the name Hugh Travers but what's it all about good morning
11: Good morning. Uh, what's it all about? <laughs> well, uh, it's uh, yeah, as you said, it's a comedy musical. It's uh, about a man who declares the grounds of his house to be an independent country. And he does it to stave off eviction. Um, so it's a way of not getting evicted. Uh, so he decides he's going to uh, tell the bailiff that they can't kick him out because this house is his own country. And the way uh, he funds his enterprise is he and his friends Kind of begin to sell artisan pork products uh, <laughs> to fund their enterprise, and obviously, the whole uh, enterprise takes off and becomes this uh, beast that grows into something that they didn't expect. As it becomes popular and people around the country rally behind their cause, and then they have to control the beast they have created. <laughs> Only in Cork. <corpus. laughs> <laughs> so,
4: the the writing of it. How long did that take you?
11: Uh, well, I mean, it's gone back a couple of years. We've been developing it for a while. I've been working with Fionn Foley, who's been writing the music and lyrics. Uh, and then we connected with uh, both Corkadorka and the Everyman down here. So Corkadorka um, helped us develop it for a while. And through that, the Everyman found out about the project, and now they are producing it. Uh, and they're, so we've been rehearsing in the Everyman all week. And tomorrow we are staging a kind of a work in progress performance. We're doing a kind of abridged excerpt from the musical. Uh, we've got a great core cast. We've got um, we've got Stephen O'Leary, who's in Fair City. the McGowan. He just won an Irish Times Theatre Award last week. We have Jessica Courtney-Lean and Michael Sands. Uh, so a brilliant uh, core cast. And we're just really excited to kind of give people a taster of it, uh, just to give people a sense of what the show is. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's Besides like,
4: every uh, comedy,
11: there is a serious line. Yeah, of course. I mean, this is a comedy musical, but in some ways it's kind of a a satire. It's kind of dealing with issues of, you know, around the uh, housing crisis. And I suppose a generation of people who feel kind of unable to aspire to that goal of owning their own house and feel a little bit, I suppose, disenfranchised. And I suppose in a kind of ever-changing world, there's people who, there seems to be this sense that people... Uh, have lost a sense of autonomy and you see that coming out in negative ways in terms of in some ways Brexit and take back control there seems to be this intangible sense that people want to take back control of their life so this is kind of that taken to, a, to the nth degree uh, and I suppose although it's a comedy musical it's exploring lots of interesting stuff about citizenship and national identity yeah. and there's a kind of an allegory going on in terms of it kind of mirrors the birth of the irish state and that they declare this country and they try and fight for recognition for this country that they've uh, declared but of course as it takes off and gets recognition they're offered a, a kind of a compromise and this compromise splits the country and uh, one side turns a little bit militant and so there's a kind of uh, a mirror to the birth of the irish state so well, it's a, it's a lot of fun, and the songs are hilarious. Uh, there is a kind of underlying uh, satire going yeah. through it all. And, yeah. and
4: there's also the thing that, like, yeah, you can declare yourself an independent republic all you want, your your house, and but you're not going to sustain it. Realistically, you're going to have it very hard to sustain it after you do it. That message is there too
11: yeah absolutely i mean <laughs> the practical difficulties that they encounter while trying to <laughs> get this thing off the ground is where a lot of the fun is uh but I think one of the messages is that like often a country really is 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 no more than an idea that is shared by people, and if you can create an idea that uh that uh captures people's imaginations that that is something in itself and i think I think one of the things that is trying to make a case for it is is active citizenship uh you know, it's a lot, a lot of people, we, we love talking in Ireland and we're very attached to place and land, but ultimately I think, uh, I suppose we're defined by what we do rather than, uh, you know, where we're from. So uh, hmm. I think that's one of the messages behind behind the piece, you know? I,
4: know. I know I'm hearing, I know you said we've great Cork cast, I'm not hearing a Cork accent in you, Mr. Travers. <laughs>
11: Yeah, well, no, I mean it's it's been a great uh, experience coming down to work on it in Cork. I'm I'm of course stopped my mother's from Dunmanway, so I'd, oh. I'd be I'd be shot if I don't give a shout out to the Connollys and McSweenys in 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 Dunmanway, mm-hmm. and uh, in particular I'd better oh. give a shout out to to, uh, uh, to my cousin Owen who's getting married to Jessica in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah. And then uh, Fionn, Fion, uh, who's writing the music and lyrics, his, both his parents are from Bandon, so uh, we're Cork stock. But, and but you're West Cork that, maybe, stock,
4: which means you're rebel exactly. West Cork, you Michael Collins stock.
11: Like. <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, now, beyond that, though, I mean, the idea was just about this uh, guy who declares the grounds of his house to be an independent country. But once I had that idea it was really well. I mean where could this thing be set didn't feel right to set it in a, on a random street in a city and it's like but where else could it be set but the rebel county you know, where else could it uh, well, and put it this be, way Hugh
4: <laughs> <laughs> shall we just say this you, you've written a story about a, a, a lunatic who declares his front garden and his house an independent republic let me tell you let me tell you my friend there's probably one or two of them around here in real <laughs>
11: yeah. life, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we've got a few of those characters in. Cor- Good luck with it. You say it's still a work in progress that we're going to see at the Midsummer Festival.
11: Yeah, we're we're, we're work we're working towards the full production in the, uh, in the Midsummer uh, Festival, but this is a kind of a taster so that people can kind of uh, get a sense of what it is and uh, tr- so we can put the project together. So what we're doing is a kind of an abridged version of uh, of it uh, of uh, Several songs and scenes to just give people a sense of it, and that's in the uh, Cat Club tomorrow at three pm. So uh, really excited for people to to get a sense of it, and it's you know it's a really entertaining piece. So uh, even the abridged version will will give people a, a good laugh.
4: When are we likely to see the finished product?
11: <laughs> uh, we're aiming towards twenty twenty four. Musicals take a long time to yeah. uh, to, to develop. just because you, you know it's not like uh, you sit down at your computer and write it. There's a lot of a lot of work collaborating uh, to get the music and lyrics on the book together. So just to give it really a full on chance to have a great big production in the Everyman, uh, we're, we're allowing ourselves time to get it right. Okay. Uh, so this is a real, really important part, part of that process.
4: Good luck with it. Good luck with it. And and it's 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 uh, it's a fun concept. Uh, thank you. That's Hugh Travers, writer of the People's Republic of Pork. <laughs> the name is brilliant. The name is pretty proc pork. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it, though. I mean, and look, some of them have been on this program over the years. There there are people in real life only in Cork. There are people in real life who would do something like that. Who would put a sign in their garden? This is an independent republic. And you know what? In Cork, we we'd actually say, "Good man, good man, good man." Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six in case you're wondering about the weekend uh, I was saying there earlier that tomorrow today tomorrow possibly Friday looking quite nice uh, quite summery and then the weekend we can't be too sure the the dark sky app is looking a bit grossy for the weekend Alan O'Reilly has just put up some of his predictions and he's saying the two models he relies relies upon most can't seem to agree one of them has a prediction of over 100 millimetre of rain that between Friday and Sunday night. That's a lot of flippin' rain, Alan, around the southwest. But the other one is saying less than 30. Uh, We'd go for the second one if we can arrange that, possibly. But certainly it looks like some of the wet stuff coming back to water the lawns over the weekend or as the good doctor was telling us earlier on this morning, uh, will damp down the pollen a bit. And might ease off the hay fever epidemic that's out there. But either way, we're getting some rain. Certainly looks like some rain at the weekend. We need to have a word with the weather gods because they're not looking at we get this midweek lovely sunny weather in the middle of the week, and then the, the weekends are gone to the Hames altogether. We'll see. Hopefully it'll improve. O eight one eight ninety-six ninety-six ninety-six. Lastly today, I was ready. I was delighted to read this story in the last few days. You might remember the sing family. Uh, they were living in direct vision. They went and made masks, face masks, in the very early days of the pandemic, and they gave them out in the street, free. Um, lovely family. Uh, and at the time, they were facing the danger of deportation, and recently uh, that deportation threat was lifted, uh, rescinded. Reminder Sing good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Lovely to speak with you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks. How did you get the news and when did you get it?
12: Uh, My sister called me morning time, 13 June. And he surprised me for eye shock, for good news for me and my family. And uh, uh, I now believe it. First, you know, we you give me leave to remind and uh, I'm very happy. Excellent. And yeah, and my family very happy, and my children remind enjoying. Us a little
4: reminder yeah. about yourself and your family. Where are you from, and how long have you been here?
12: I'm from India, and uh, I living in Ireland for uh, four and a half half year in in Ireland, Cork City. Cork City, yeah.
4: Okay, your son is there with you. And and are you, are you, are you living in direct provision still?
12: Yeah, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, in Kinsale
4: uh, Road accommodation Centre. Yeah. <laughs> but now, out oh, oh, but now that
12: you can stay, what are your plans? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm working for tiling work and my son working with tiling and I give to, you know, I like for give to tax for government and I buy for my home and uh, not I depend for government. I'm working myself. I ask my family, everybody work and not depend for uh, government, you know. Yeah, so
4: you're both, yourself and your son are both working in the tiling
12: business. Yes, yes, I'm working uh, some company, yeah.
4: Yeah, that's fantastic. And were you with were you Tyler or did you work in that industry back at home? Uh, no. No, this
8: okay. is... Yeah,
12: yeah uh, before I working in and uh, before a little bit, but I'm now professional working, you know.
4: Good, good. Well, that's absolutely fantastic, yourself and yourself. So, so is there a hope, Raminder, that you may be able to move out of direct provision soon and maybe get a home of your own for yourself and your family?
12: Yes, I plan for, you know, move from here and uh, separate home. Okay. Yeah.
4: Listen, that is, it's wonderful news. Congratulations Mm -hmm. and and welcome, finally.
12: Yeah, I, I, I... I ask for first, you know, Irish people, very good people, and support me for signing, for petitions sign and for me, and I thanks for government and justice of minister, I'm very, very happy. I thank you, you know, my family, too happy. <laughs> Yes, and my children very happy, you know.
4: Yes, and we are very happy for you all, Raminder Singh. Thank yeah. you very much. What, are, what the rest of your family? You saw your your their names are. Remind me again.
12: Yeah, uh, my name Raminder Singh, and my wife name uh, Harinder Kaur, okay. and my daughter Sandeep Kaur, and big son Gursevuk Singh, okay. and small son Gurcharan Singh.
4: Okay, well, we are delighted to have you among us, and great to see. Because you know what, one thing, Raminder, we are very short of tylers. Yeah. We, 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 There is a huge shortage.
12: Ty- yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> A big shortage of, of skilled workers like Tyler. Thank you very much. Congratulations on your leave to remain. We're delighted that you're that that you've won that victory, Raminder Singh and his family. Um, they were facing deportation, facing being sent home, um, but they' that has been okay, That they've got the okay to stay, and they're, himself and his son working now in the tiling business. And believe me, if you ever try to—if you're trying to get a tiler at the moment, you'll know how important it is that more and more people go into that line of work because there's a shortage. All right, that's it. Delighted the seeing family, lovely people. Uh, that's it the program edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry I'm not forgetting anything. no no I'm not see you tomorrow just after 9
0: Oldies and Irish on Corks 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Dario O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96FM.
2: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.